the What I Watch Tonight show. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the, the first ever episode of the What I Watch Tonight show. Uh, my name is Matt Hudson and I am the man behind the mask and the creator of the sites whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Uh, the purpose of this, these episodes, I will be chatting with a guest that specialises in movie reviewing or critiquing uh, and putting some of our hand-picked questions to them and just talking some movies because that's what we're here for. Uh, it's pretty apt that today's guest is starting to show off. He's uh, having appeared on his on his brilliant podcast and listened to his views on movies. It was his inspiration that got this show off the ground in the first place. Uh, and he's also a top man. Uh, so our first guest and kicking us off is John Burke of BurkeReviews.com. John, how are you doing? Pretty well, Matt. How are you doing? Good. Not bad. Excited to be here. Glad to be starting this off. And uh, thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And I love hearing that I've inspired things. So. <laughs> you certainly have. Where about, so, I mean, I'm over here in the UK. Where are you calling from? Uh, I am from Florida, um, central Florida, like right between Tampa and Orlando, um, a small little town called Lake Wales. Nice. How's Lake Wales today? Because if it's anything like UK, it's freezing. Ah, uh, total opposite. It is blistering <laughs> hot in here. I'm even. I have my fans on, and I am still sweating. Um, it is uncomfortably hot <laughs> in Florida. You can. It's and the great thing about doing podcasts is you can just strip down and wear whatever you want, and nobody can see if it gets that hot. That is the beauty of the whole thing. Although I'm sorry for you because of Skype. You know, you have to stare. at No, I know. <laughs> but <laughs> if I see um, if, yeah. if video pops up, then I'm just gonna. Close the monitor. Close your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, what about yourself? Other than movies, a day in the life of John Burke, what does it look like? Oh, um, it's busy. I, I, I sleep about five hours. Um, you know, I, I usually go to bed around midnight, get up at 5.30. Um, and I, I am a high school teacher. So I'm at work um, at 6.40. And uh, my, my students don't actually come in until 8.25. But I, that's our planning time is the time in the morning. We, we have uh, – we all teach six periods. Um, I am fortunate enough to have a film class. I teach uh, three different levels of film right now. I have uh, entry, like first year, second year, third year. Um, next year I will actually have four levels of film. And, um, and then I teach journalism, which is uh, all through the guise of yearbook. So most of my day is spent working with students. Um, in my opinion, some of the best students uh, imaginable. I have some amazing kids, um, some of whom are going to hopefully be tomorrow's filmmakers. And uh, when I get home, I make dinner um, for my family, and then I do stuff for BurkeReviews.com, uh, whether it's watching a movie to write a review or watching a movie to then record a podcast or recording a podcast. Um, that's pretty much my life now. I, I watch a lot of movies, and then I go to work, and I talk about movies with uh, kids who are interested in movies. <laughs> um, and, yeah, my, my life is a cycle of, of film, and I think some of my coworkers get tired because usually my, my comments are, oh, well, there's this one movie. And... <laughs> <laughs> so you're kind of like the female um, band camp for American Pie Girl, the male yes. version, sorry. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I just reference uh, all these different types of movies. Um, but so your life yeah. is movies and dinner, movies and, and movies and food. Uh, not a healthy <laughs> combination, mind you, because when you're watching a lot of movies, um, you're not getting a whole lot of physical activity done. But uh, I am making a bit of an effort to change that part of my life because you can watch movies on a treadmill. So <laughs> <laughs> you can if you want, but where's the fun in that? Yeah, exactly. It's on much the, more fun to sit. 
you mentioned food, popcorn. You a popcorn fan? I am a popcorn fan. Um, Buttered, I, it, salt, sweet, plain. I, I'm not a fan of sweet popcorn. Um, I don't do, like, kettle corn. I have never been a fan of. Uh, I don't mind caramel corn so much, but I am definitely a salted, buttered popcorn type of uh, guy. My wife is even more of a popcorn fan. Um, she's not a moviegoer, though, as much as I am. So, like, very frequently I will go to a movie and get the large tub of popcorn um, because they do refills. And on my way out, I get a refill to bring home to my wife because she loves popcorn. <laughs> nice guy. Yes, I, I think yeah, Starting so. the show off with a, a, a gentleman. Uh, you know, my wife is uh, unbelievably understanding with the amount of time I've dedicated to my website. Um and so the least I can do is bring her a tub of popcorn. <laughs> yeah, of course, even if it is refillable, but just keep that yes. under your hat. But, uh, yeah, if, yeah. If, 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 and the work you do do on your on your do do the work you do on your website <laughs> is fantastic. The reviews oh. are great, uh, and you've also I know you've also got a select wide selection of your own podcast. I do. Um, I, I do top five movies and Movie Club are the two under the Burke Reviews guys, um, and I'm just starting this new one called Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Uh, I think you might Sounds know that my co-host. Uh, <laughs> but he's a really cool guy. He, he's, he seems to be. So, I, you know, <laughs> I'm happy to have that opportunity. Um, and then I, I almost forgot about thinking about um, that is a podcast I do with um, a co-worker uh, and a best friend. Um, we met about six years ago when he was still in college going for his teaching degree. Um, I was his practicum teacher. Uh, so he would come and observe me to like see what it's like to run a classroom, and uh, his mother set that up knowing that we were going to have a lot in common, and uh, we've been pretty much best friends ever since, and we don't get a whole lot of free time to talk. He has a young child. I have you know my family, and we decided to do a podcast where we just ramble, and we call it Thinking <laughs> About. Um, so we pick a subject. So like our first episode was Thinking About Science Fiction. Next episode was thinking about music, and we basically talked for about three hours, and then we cut it up into three different episodes and released them. Catch um, up via your podcast. Yeah, and it's it's kind of fun. Um, I don't know if, if it's uh, – you know, it's very unstructured. Um, we both kind of come in with like a, a talking points, but we don't really hold to them. We just kind of go tangentially to whatever subjects we end up talking about. And um, I don't know if anyone wants to listen to that, but we, uh, you know, we like doing it. So thinking about is the other podcast that I, I also do. So I would advise everyone to check them out. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show, but they are they are fantastic. They're good fun. You've got the people, the, the your co-hosts, are, they're fun. They know what they're talking about. And it makes some really good conversations. So I would recommend people go check that out. Well, you know, um, the hardest part about being movie obsessed is finding other people that have the same kind of mindset, like, especially where I live, we're not in like a, like if, in Hollywood, I imagine every, everywhere you turn, someone's obsessed with film. Um, in rural Lake Wales, you're more likely to find people obsessed with agriculture um, <laughs> than you are finding people obsessed with arts of any kind. And so when you do find one, you definitely, you form a bond. And that's where uh, Mike, uh, who is my co-host for top five movies and Corey, who no longer lives here, but used to, um, when I started Burke Reviews, I immediately reached out to both of them, knowing they were uh, movie passionate and pop culture passionate. Um, and I love the different perspectives that they bring, too, because uh, we all love movies, but we have different kind of experiences with them and um, even different kind of confidence levels with uh, our knowledge of them. Like, 
I have attacked film academically. You know, I've bought a lot of books um, to read up like both the production side part of it because I teach it, but also I want to know more about the craft. Um, yeah. And like where Corey is more of a, I would say she would view herself as like the everyman. She kind of goes into movies with more of a general knowledge of what she likes and judges them in that, that vein. Um, and then Mike is kind of the, uh, the hipster autorist when it comes to his, <laughs> his selection. He likes, uh, he likes what he likes, but he likes variety of things that I've never heard of. And it's a lot of fun to kind of, um, he brings movies that, uh, are unknown, but usually very well crafted with a lot of big names attached to them, usually from before they were big names. And it's, it's always kind of cool to hear what he has to say. So yeah, uh, I've been fortunate with, um, all the contacts and same thing, um, I started reaching out on Twitter looking for other film lovers just to find connections, hopefully to, you know, co collaborate and also to um, find like minds that I can share thoughts with. And that's how I came across you and uh, what I watched tonight. You did. And thank you for doing so. Um, I've had a great time talking movies with you, but like you say, we're having, having those kind of guests. Cause I mean, we, we, we've spoken a few times and we don't always see, we don't, we don't, we don't always share the same opinion on films. And certainly with, what you said about your co-host certainly makes it a lot more interesting, entertaining when everybody brings something different to the table. Yeah. It's not just, you know, let's just, let's do a podcast or let's do an interview about something we all like because it gets kind of stale very quickly. Agreed. Like there, there has to be a little bit of tension, right? And um, that's how movie club started is Corey and I both had a huge gap list where there's tons of these big movies that we've somehow missed. Um, sometimes it's availability. Sometimes it was, uh, I don't know. I'm bad about like the judging a book by its cover kind of thing with movies. Like if a trailer doesn't interest me or if um, something about the film turns me off immediately, I may skip it. And that's, yeah, I agree. yeah. And I'm trying not to do that now. And movie club kind of makes us uh, dive into this, this list of films we've never seen and watch them. And it's great afterwards. Cause Corey and I both, there's been times where we come in to the podcast with like one opinion about the movie, but by the end of our conversation, our opinion has changed uh, either for or you know for the movie or away from the movie, depending on uh, who has the better points, you know who makes the better arguments about why they liked it or why they didn't, and it's it's fun having that conversation and being open minded enough to allow your opinion to be swayed because evidence is being brought that maybe you had looked over or something, you know. Yeah, and that's what that's why sometimes it's hard to talk to people because you know film is movie, subjective is art. You know, mm-hmm. you're not always mm-hmm. going to like what you like. You may the first time you see something, you may not all, always are drawn to it. I mean, I, the first time I saw Ex Machina, I didn't like it, but on subsequent thinking about it, and viewing and speaking to other people, I suddenly think, actually, hold on, this is a fantastic movie. So yeah, that conversation can help. I mean, you mentioned obviously where you where, where you like Wales and where you are, not too many like-minded people. Is that part of the reason why you decided to go ahead and? do the podcast and reviews is to kind of get your voice out to the wider world and to meet like-minded um, people or it definitely was part of it um i i started teaching film i think two years before i did the the website and it, it ignited a passion that i'd always had but um had never thought of it as a career opportunity um i've always loved and collected films and I went to school to be a journalist. I had planned on being a reporter and I had done some reviews while I was like working for my high school newspaper and my college newspaper. 
but I never really thought about film. Um, I was a musician. I was going to be a famous musician. That that was always <laughs> my plan. That the the college degree was a fallback, nothing else. Um, you weren't the drummer, were you? I, I was not. I was the bass player. Um, nice. You which... don't hear many bass players around. Exactly, and that was honest to God. Part of my logic was um, I, <laughs> I get mediocre more. guitar player, but I get a lot more work as a bass player. So I learned <laughs> bass, and um, I did get a lot more work. I I played uh, pretty regular rotation for about ten, eleven years. Um, no, nowhere super famous, but you know we played some uh, all around Central Florida, Orlando, Tampa area a lot. And um, I never, I don't think I ever gave a hundred percent to make it in the industry, but the industry also changed dramatically while I was playing, um, thanks to iTunes. So, um, but I never once looked at film as a, as a potential career. Um, and now it's literally my actual career because I teach film and then I, my side job is watching movies to review them. So, um, that revelation kind of clicked when I started teaching it and like, I became more aware of all of the jobs. Like I always knew there were tons of jobs, but like it was never something I thought, Hey, I could do those things. I don't have to be an actor. I I was so strongly associated the visual side of film with the career side, like that acting was the one thing you could do. And I am not comfortable acting. So, but uh, when I decided to do the, the website, um, it was more to, I kind of took two things. Uh, Doug Benson, who does a podcast called Doug loves movies, um, I am a huge fan of that podcast, and in 2015, uh, he challenged himself to watch 365 movies, um, not in a specific amount of time. Just he had one year to watch 365 movies. You know, he could watch 300 movies in okay. December if he wanted to. And uh, while the year was coming to an end, I started thinking I could do that. But what if I make the rules more specific, um, where I have to watch seven movies a week? So I, I max that out and then I'm going to review each one. So I'll, I will give a opinion on each film that I watch. And I decided because I had so many, um, I had been so buried in my own taste with film that I was going to make myself watch things that I'd skipped, um, things that I, I didn't consider to be in my interest, the older movies, uh, movies with subtitles, you know, like a lot of those stupid just exactly. Uh, if I was going to teach film, I needed to be better at it. And so that was the initial motivation. And then as the year went on, I found myself um, – I actually – I wasn't sure if I would make it the whole year. You know, that was a big part of it too was like, um, can I actually do this? Can I commit to this? Because I was also going for my master's degree at the time. Uh, <laughs> so there was a – Sounds like you never Yeah, stopped. that's kind <laughs> of my thing I guess. Um but so with all of that in in mind and the biggest i think thing of all is the can i do this and then two i i'm teaching young people to pursue a career that is very very competitive very challenging and more likely to fail than not um and essentially i'm asking them to put themselves out there and give that give it a shot and that was kind of my other motivation was i I'm naturally introverted. So like the idea of writing something and putting it on the web where everyone can give their feedback to me instantly if they want to was horrifying. Um, And same thing with talking into a microphone and then putting that on the world to hear. Um, It it was a big step for me of like committing to doing something outside of the norm where I could fail. Uh, I put myself in a position. 
So what? So what did, how did you feel then when the first? So you've, you've written your first review. You're sitting in front of your computer. Your your, your fingers hovering over that publish button to send it out to the wider world. What are you thinking? Um, I was. I don't think I was. I think at that point I was on such an adrenaline rush that I'd done it that I just hit publish. I think by maybe number ten or twelve, the second guessing started to happen, where I'm like. Oh man, am I writing like horrible? Is what I'm saying valid? Am I just regurgitating other people's opinions? Uh, yeah, does anyone even is... care that I'm doing this? Um, you know, uh, the most supportive people with the whole thing was my wife for sure. Um, who you know, I was already going for my master's degree, and like you said, I never stopped. So I'm basically saying, hey, do you mind if I take seven nights a week to watch a movie? Um, you know, two hours of time plus another probably hour to write a review at the very minimum. And then um, my boss, though, uh, who also I, I asked before I did this, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm doing my master's degree and I, I'm, I'm already working, you know, full time job. Do you I'm going to do this thing. What do you think? And she was super supportive. In fact, still is uh, every time she gets a chance to brag about my website, she tells everybody and um uh, She's probably my biggest promoter, um, even outside of myself. That it helps a lot as well having that having that kind of close support, and also having someone bragging about bragging about what yeah, you do really helps. Those those things um, supported and made it even after the doubt started to settle in. Um, it just keeps me going, uh, and I've had I've still had I've had failures recently with like I was trying to get published on some other websites and. Um, I thought I wrote a really great article and basically was told to stop emailing the person. Um, oh, yeah, and I was like, oh, oh, great. all right, maybe I'm not good at this. <laughs> yeah, so, but uh, I didn't let it beat me. Um, even if, you know, I, I, I know that if I read my reviews from the first couple of months, they're probably really bad. Um, but where I'm at now, I feel real confident with what I'm doing. And I, um, I you know, I've had, I've had a lot of kind words given to me too. So, um I, I enjoy it, and I think I, I think I'll keep doing it, even if um, it, unless it becomes a burden financially. Uh, as long as I'm not, you know, losing money or um, putting my family in jeopardy to do this, I'm gonna keep doing it because I, I enjoy it. It's it's fun, and while it's not life changing necessarily, I know I've had I've influenced some people to see some great movies uh, that maybe they would have skipped otherwise, and I've maybe saved a few people a few hours of their lives from watching Winchester. <laughs> so. <laughs> Not me. No, not you, unfortunately. <laughs> but you know, you're in the same line of work. We we got to put our uh, our brains in the in the way so others don't have to. Yeah, there is a lot. There you do spend a lot of time. I find thinking about it, preparing, watching, writing is the writing isn't a foregone conclusion. You actually do have to sit and think. Mm -hmm. How am I going to structure this? But yeah, I'm like you say, you kind of persevere. I mean, when I first started, I the stuff I was writing was probably awful. But I've noticed since, I mean, cause I, like you, I was studying to be a journalist. So I've always had a keen interest in writing. But um, I've, you just notice over mm -hmm. time that you get better, you get better. You start to sort of, you start to grow in what you do. You get more people, you know, following or liking or commenting, whatever. Uh, you start to get noticed a bit more. Uh, and when it does happen, you may, you're like, along the way, there's, there's bumps along the road. And people may say, oh, you know, stop emailing me. But when you get somebody saying that this is great or... Do you want to? Can you attend this, or we really want your help on this? That kind of makes up for it a lot more. And I know, obviously, you yourself, you've uh, yeah, you've got a couple of, you've got certainly next month, you've got a big, big deal happening. You're going somewhere. Yeah, 
I've had some luck, man. Um, last year, I got into our. We have a local film festival, the Florida Film Festival, which um, is put on by this really great independent art house theater called the Enzian. Um, and I got, I was press at that, and that was a big accomplishment. I was super excited. I'm like, wow, my they're considering my website to be press. That's great. Then I got into uh, the Star Wars celebration last year, which is this huge Star Wars convention that was in Orlando last year. I'm so jealous of that. Dude, I I couldn't believe that they let me in. And then, um, like while you we dressed were... up as a stormtrooper to get in, did, were you actually invited or did you sneak in? We were we were actually invited. Mike and I <laughs> both actually got to go. Um, we we had promised to do. Uh, we did our top ten five top five. Sorry, top five uh, Star Wars moments um, as part of our stipulation for being press at this event. Um, the thing that sucked about the event was that while we were press, we didn't get any like special treatment. So like, you know, we missed all of the major announcements. Like we weren't in any of those things. Basically, we got a room with Wi-Fi that we could sit and write uh, live like reports and stuff. But ultimately, for Mike and I, we're huge Star Wars nerds, so we just enjoyed the festival and then wrote our articles when we got home. Um, but I had uh, my, one of my coworkers. This this might give an idea of how great my school is. Our orchestra teacher um at our school calls me while i'm at the star wars celebration and this is moments after i had just heard um uh john williams had been there and played the star wars music for the live audience that i was not a part of and my phone rings and i see it's it's my coworker, and i am like no way and i answer it i'm like tell me you didn't just play for john williams she's like i just played with john williams no way and i'm like are you kidding me i'm like i'm here and i didn't even get to see it and you're in the you're in the orchestra she's like yes i just played violin for john williams at the star I wars watched celebration. That on live stream as well yeah small world I, who knows I, I may have even seen it you probably wow yeah. yeah she and she just got to play with him again because he was here at universal studios uh for the harry potter day and she played with him for that as well um she's a very talented violinist uh plays locally all the time with all these big events but um yeah, so those two things, and then this year, I've been accepted as press for South by Southwest and for Tribeca in New York. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, and I'm I'm it's I can't believe I'm getting to go to both, much less that I got accepted to both. I kind of I put in the press application um, just to see, you know, I had no expectations, and uh, I got accepted by both and was um, ecstatic. Although right now my inbox hates me because I have so much press materials getting just like every five minutes it's like 20 new things show up for south by southwest movies i'm like oh my god i can't even sort all of this stuff Filter. so yeah <laughs> but that's validation surely for what for what you've done and what and kind of the journey you've been on this is kind of surely validating the work you're doing yeah it, it makes me uh feel like it hasn't been a waste of money um i wouldn't feel like it's a waste of time just because i know i'm i'm more knowledgeable about film which is something that that was a personal goal when i started this whole thing um, but yeah, uh, when you're, when you're spending, even if it's only like three, $400 a year for web hosting and then the podcast hosting, um, that's money that could be going to something else, you know, for sure. I, I, I still have tons of student loan debt, um, you know, and I don't know if you know this about American teachers, but we don't get paid that well. And so, um, you know, I, I could be putting maybe the time I do, I spend watching movies and writing to getting a second job or, you know, something like that. But, um, when you're going to do what you love, you got to do what you love for sure. And then when you're getting validation for what you're doing, it does make you feel like, um, you know, 
you you didn't make a, a wrong choice with the spending of the money because other people at least look at what you're doing and say, yes, this is quality enough work that we will let you come and watch movies for free so that you will write about them so other people will learn about these films. And that's that's the, the least I could ask for, you know, that, hey, uh, I, I'm I'm saying and I'm writing well enough that these companies want my words to they want your opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it couldn't be um, I don't know. I don't I didn't know what I was going to get when I started it. Um, I guess I was hoping at at best was like a Julia and Julia type thing where like my blog would get turned into a book and that would be my fame. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I'm content with this, too. I, I feel like this I, I get to watch tons of movies. Um, I get to talk about movies and, uh, you know, what's better? Because like as a kid, that was what I wanted. I went to the movies every Friday night as a kid. Um, and then I talked to the one person who I saw it with, and that was usually the only person I knew who saw that movie. So now <laughs> it's like, wait, wait till next time I talk to somebody else. Yeah. And, and now it's just like, oh no, right away I get, I get feedback, I get commentary, I get to communicate and interact with people about these things. And, um, and even more like, uh, getting to meet people who make movies and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm kind of introverted, so Every time I get to talk to someone who's involved with film, I'm always so nervous because I'm like, I'm some guy from Florida who has nothing to do with this industry outside of the fact that I want to be involved with this industry. How are and they, they started go- somewhere once as well? That's, that's yeah. how you've got to think about it. It's how I, that's how I deal with it. Yeah, and they've it's been so uh, really like awe inspiring to to meet people and hear how down to earth they all are. Um, like every every conversation I've got to have with someone from the industry has been amazing like they've been really friendly they've been really cool to talk to love uh they they clearly have passion for the to, for the medium and it's just been it's been great um it's been a really awesome couple of years that, well like i said the validation is perfect you're obviously doing a great job that's awesome that's fantastic so i mean you've mentioned obviously that these you're getting you, you like it that these people obviously trusting your review your opinions and your reviews so what what do you bring to your reviews? What makes it, you know, unique or particularly readable or, or listenable in terms of your podcast? What do you bring to it? Yeah, and in a market like this where it's so easy to to start a blog, you know, where anyone literally can do it, um, I had to I had to think about that a lot when I was starting. Like, why does my point of view need to be in print or in published uh, in any way? And I I feel like it's um it's about taste when it boils down to it, like. I, I think somewhere on my website I indicate like how to use my reviews is um, look at what I've written, with, especially movies that you've seen, and do we share that opinion? And if so, then I should be like a go-to person for you. Like when you're curious about a new movie, what did I think? Because we have a similar taste, and so I can be a guiding light almost uh, to movies that are worth your time. Because especially now with Netflix and Amazon – uh, being affordable and having so many films available to watch, it's hard to navigate. So let the critics kind of guide you to the ones that are worth your time and uh, avoiding the ones that aren't. And so um, that's what I think uh, really happens there. And with that is my voice that comes out. Um, I feel like in writing, it's very easy to sound monotone, um, but I, I think – a good reviewer has a personality in what they're saying. Like you can. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Like when I feel like in my reviews, while I try to keep first person out of the bulk of the review, I usually in the intro paragraph and in the the last paragraph, I will usually use I. Um, And then the rest is more like just 
talked as fact. This is what happens. This is this. This is that. Um, but I, I want my my style of of speech and and who I am to kind of come through in the writing as much as possible, so that people feel like they're hearing me talk about it rather than just you know reading the words. So, come on, yeah, keep you want keeping your own identity. I think some of the best critics out there, they 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 have that voice which you can immediately know when you read one of the reviews. It's one of theirs. I mean, are there any other particular critics yeah. which have which you follow or you've kind of inspired or you've kind of listened to what they say about films more than others? Or yeah, um, I when I started listening to podcasts, um, it wasn't film podcasts. I started with Kevin Smith and uh, oh. Chris Hardwick's The Nerdist. Like those were the podcasts that I started with. Um, cause I kept hearing people like talk podcasts. I'm like, what are these podcasts I'm hearing so much about? And this is probably about seven years ago. I got into podcast and, um, I, I don't remember how I came across Doug loves movies, but eventually I did. And, uh, Doug loves movies has been the most active podcast I've listened to. I've listened to it for, I think six years now. Um, I'm a huge fan. And through him, I found, uh, Graham Elwood, who was a part of the comedy film nerds, um, and that was probably the first film like review podcast I listened to. Uh, it's it's Graham Elwood and Chris. Um, I can't think of Chris's last name right now, but uh, they've got a book published called The Comedy Film Nerd's Guide to Movies, which is fun. And I think they're a good starting point if you're kind of a casual movie watcher because they're kind of casual movie watchers um, more than a lot of other reviewers. Yeah. And I've, I've grown out of them um, over the last couple of years, which I kind of – I hated, but I started listening to the podcast, and I was getting like frustrated way more often with them is than that, I was. Is when that I as first your started. taste grew, you kind of felt more restricted by what they were saying, or yeah, exactly. Um, like I felt like they were missing the point. Um, like when I heard their uh, review of Arrival, I was so like shocked, and <laughs> I I think that was where I started to lose interest in that podcast. And since then, um, I've I've moved on to a couple of other ones. Um. Tyler Smith and David Bax do a podcast called Battleship Pretension. Sounds cool. I'm not aware of that one, but it sounds fun. Yeah, that's probably my favorite. Um, they are they are in their name. They're pretentious, so they don't like a lot of the mainstream stuff. Uh, so sometimes it, I don't I don't agree with them all the time, but I would say um, more often than not, I I have similar tastes to them. Um, Film Spotting is out of uh, Chicago, and I don't remember the guys' names, but I really like that podcast. I, I've that one's grown on me. Um, I I also I kind of hate them because they have a top five element to their podcast that I didn't know existed until after I started doing mine. So I'm like, ah, and they've been around way longer than I have. But still, I didn't steal it from them. I didn't know they existed until after um, uh, Slash Filmcast, um, yeah. which is, yeah, that one. Uh, I love the guys on that show. And uh, Christy Punchko has joined the team and she's great. Uh, I've been reading some of her reviews. Um, so that whole group, I, I, those are like the ones I latch onto that are current. Um, I am a Leonard Malton fan because of Douglas movies as well. Um, Doug started his, uh, it's a movie trivia podcast, by the way. I'm not sure if, if you've ever got to hear it, but I haven't known um, but I'm going to now. The, the older episodes, he, the main game of the show was the Leonard Malton game. Um, but with time that Leonard Malton's books have stopped being published and his app crat is gone, so Doug doesn't have that as his game anymore. But uh, Leonard Malton's actually been a guest on Douglas Movies a few times. And Leonard Malton started a podcast um, called Malton on Movies. And when he first started it, I really liked it. It was him and Baron Vaughn, who's an actor slash comedian. And it was a really good podcast. And now it's an interview style podcast with his daughter, 
and they have different uh, really great guests all the time. I mean, it's Leonard Maltin's an iconic critic. I know he's got a lot um, of books out, a few books out, sorry. He, yeah, he does. He has tons of books, and then he's a film teacher, I think, at um, USC in California. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I I can't, I don't really enjoy his daughter on the podcast, so I stopped listening. Uh, but I still like Leonard Maltin, and I I obviously um, I don't think there's a film critic out there who doesn't at least have to reference Roger Ebert. Um, I don't think you're a I, film I critic bought... unless you reference Roger yeah. Ebert or at least mention him in some way. I've I've bought um a couple of his books and I just I'm so I I don't know I hope I can get to a point where I, I my reviews feel like literature you know like where because I can read his reviews like I'm reading a book and just kind of go through and I don't always agree with him um they, and sometimes I'm even kind of ashamed because he'll like ba- he'll bash a movie that I really loved and I'm like oh um but, it, <laughs> but the he way makes he bad writes films so. sound good sometimes he does and he makes some ba- he makes some good films sound horrendous sometimes too like, <laughs> where it's like wow what you're actually doing yeah 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 and uh but his his the way he writes is so amazing um and i i've i've started to like, i don't want to say i'm mimicking ebert because god that's like way overconfident on my side like oh i'm as good as ebert but i have i've taken kind of his um his structure and i'm trying to apply it to my own writing like because he's he's a little more loose with his structure he kind of just says whatever he feels like focusing on like he doesn't have um from what I've read of his reviews, like one review might focus heavily on plot where the next one, he might not talk about plot at all. And he'll only focus on like one actor yeah. or one performance in the movie. So, but, it's um, all, but it was always vital. It was felt necessary. Correct. Yes. It, it's, he talked about what the most essential element of that particular film was. And I've, I'm trying to do that more and not feel like I have to focus. I have to talk on, I think when I started, I had like talking points that I was, I will talk about this paragraph. I'll talk about the plot and this paragraph. I'll talk about the, my favorite character in this paragraph. I'll talk about my favorite scene and then I'll conclude um, where now I'm just like, I'm going to say what I want to say. And I'll, when I'm done, I'll stop writing. Yeah. And uh, it's a lot, it's that's a lot been my biggest change. Well, so. I agree. Thank you. Uh, well, we've have some standard movie, movie stock questions to ask. Some could be some fun. Hopefully they will be anyway. Uh, so we'll kick off with, Probably one of the questions everybody's going to be every movie fan gets asked, but I still find it interesting because I usually learn a lot of new films from it, or I get to talk about some classics. But what movie has made the biggest impression for whatever reason on you? Yeah, I mean this this is a hard question to answer for sure because there's so many movies. Um, but I decided to go with my my favorite movie, and that's Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um. I I love Edgar Wright, and I I am still not convinced that he didn't uh, get into my brain and make a movie specifically <laughs> for me. Um, Have you checked the credits to make sure you're not in there? Or? I yeah I I'm, I keep waiting for like a thank you um, for the inspiration because Scott Pilgrim genuinely feels like it was made for my brain. Um, it's manic. Uh, there's video game references, pop cultural references, martial arts, uh, rock music. Like it's everything that I've always loved meshed into one film, which is essentially a romantic comedy, which is another thing that I, you know, admittedly love. I love rom-coms. I, I know it's not the film critics, number one genre, mind you, but it's one that I've just always found great comfort in. And Scott Pilgrim is that movie for me. I've watched it so many times and I, I I've shown it so many times to my students. Like it's a film that I, um, I absolutely adore, and got a great I, I will. Well. 
oh, I mean, so great, right? I mean, some of those actors weren't even huge yet, like Anna Kendrick, uh, Chris Evans. I mean, the, the Captain America, and you know, at one time Superman uh, with um, Brandon Routh. It, it's just, uh, I, I love everything about that film, and Edgar Wright is my favorite director. Um, I know he's he doesn't have a huge body of work, but I am a, a huge fan of the Cornetta trilogy. Um, I love Scott Pilgrim, as I just said, and then Baby Driver was fantastic. So I, I've and to be fair, I also while he didn't get to direct Ant Man, supposedly his script was still story, didn't they? Pre- yeah. yeah, it was still used. It wasn't um, exclusively his work, but it was he still gets a writing credit for Ant Man, and I thought Ant Man was great. So I would have loved to have seen Edgar Wright's Ant Man, but then we maybe wouldn't have Baby Driver. So it, it is um, it is that, and I also love Spaced. Um, his sitcom that he did with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. You forget about space because that's what that's that's a while ago. Now that's it. That's a deep cut. It is there now. Yeah, it was on Netflix for a little while, and I I watched it. Um, you know, a, a ways back now, but I I loved Space. I thought it was fantastic. And um, there's an episode with Resident Evil. Uh, Resident Evil Two is like it's this whole video game themed episode that's amazing. Um, but yeah, Scott Pilgrim. I I talk about it so much. Um, I've looked at it from multiple perspectives. It's a film I've probably overanalyzed at this point and um, was affirmed that it was great when I talked to a Harvard psychologist um, who is a big movie guy, and uh, he also validated that Scott Pilgrim's an excellent film. I'm like, oh, this guy's Harvard psychologist? Cool. Yeah, like, he, he, come on. Of course, he's. it's got to be true if he says it, so. <laughs> yeah. He says a action rom-com. But no, I agree. I haven't seen Scott Pilgrim for for such a long time, um, uh, but I but I, I I echo what you're saying. It is a it's a fun film as well. It's a fun. Mm-hmm. That's got such a good cast in it. It's definitely one I'm going to check out again. But uh, it's 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 good to hear. So it, it's nice to hear a film like that come up. I wasn't what I thought you were going to say, but it's also yeah. nice to see an Edgar Wright film get some get some more buzz because he's certainly someone who's got uh, his own visual tone. We're talking about writing he styles. He's got. He has an Edgar Wright directing style, and it's bloody good. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things. Last year um, in my uh, film classes, we did an auteur study. So we watched a bunch of Hitchcock, and then um, we didn't watch a bunch of Tarantino because it's hard to show Tarantino movies to a high school. But um, we did talk about Tarantino a bit and question whether he is an auteurist or is he more postmodern. And then we watched all four Edgar Wright films that were available at the time, um, and they had their final uh, assignment was to decide whether or not Edgar Wright's an auteur or not. Does he have a distinctive voice, and does he meet the other criteria that an auteurist um, does? And I'd say majority of my class said yes, he's an auteur. And um, we did like a we do like a Burke Birkenfield Academy Awards kind of thing where my class votes on their favorite movies that we watched that year in class. Um, and Edgar Wright won Best Director, Simon Pegg won Best Actor. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead won um, Best Actress, Scott Pilgrim. And then um, the best movie, though, wasn't it a great – they actually voted uh, Hunt for the Wilder People as their favorite movie from last year um, that we watched in class, right? Taika Waititi film um, that we watched really early in the year, too, but it it somehow kept fresh in their minds as their favorite. But um, I will say, though, that Scott Pilgrim and uh, Hot Fuzz were high contenders for that spot, though. What a fantastic film class that sounds like, but I haven't seen Hot Fuzz for a while either. Man, I'm lacking on Edgar Wright films recently, but I did see Baby Driver, uh, and I did like Baby Driver an awful lot. Um, but Scott Pilgrim's definitely one I'm going to go back and check out because it's been a criminally long time uh, I re- since man. I've seen it. 
And uh, I I need uh, an Edgar Wright dose uh, at least once a month. I will usually find a way to squeeze one of the films in because they all they all make me happy. Um, actually, I'm a I think The World's End is the best of the Cornetto wow. trilogy, which is very controversial. Yeah, yeah. It's not most people. But um, I I just think there's so much brilliance in that movie and. Uh, there's a YouTube channel. I don't remember what the channel's called now, but the show is Movies with Mikey, and um, his breakdown of uh, uh, the World's End is phenomenal. So I, if if you've seen the movie, I highly recommend hitting up YouTube and looking up Movies with Mikey, The World's End. Watch his kind of breakdown of how brilliant that film really is, um, and it's also I find just absolutely hilarious. There's so many funny parts, and I I also really like seeing Simon Pegg play the screw up. Um, and Nick Frost being the kind the of I have it together, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. um, it, it was a, a nice change in type uh, for that movie. But I guess on that note, what are what are some of your favorite films? In would would any of those fit in there, or if you're going to sort of give two or three that you could think of? Yeah, um, for sure, I, I would say the Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright, I just his movies work for me so well. Like everything about the comedy, the 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 heart that's in the films. Um, there is a certain like it's it was really pointed out because of Baby Driver that he's got a it's very much bromance. He's very into like the male friendship. Um, yeah. His female characters have not been very strong, um, unfortunately. But those movies just I connect with those, I guess, for some reason. And um, but Jaws uh, for sure is always a favorite for me. Um, I am a Spielberg kind of supporter. I love Jurassic Park, too. Both of those movies kind of get back and forth with which one I like more. But I love Jaws and, and Jurassic Park. I am a Star Wars nerd, but Empire is my favorite, uh, hands down. And um, I, I love uh, Zemeckis' Back to the Future. Um, and I go with the first one. Um, I love the first one. I actually – I think the first one's the best. I think the third one is second best, and I have a lot of problems with the second one, even though I think it's the most fun because we get to see all these cool, like, futuristic things that, of course, we know now did not happen. <laughs> yeah. That's a, again, that's another strange because I know a lot of people I speak to would say it's in order. They like the first one, then they like the second one, and the third one's kind of hit and miss for them, for Back to the Future. Yeah. When I was a kid, I didn't like the third one, but I don't think I appreciated the Western conventions that they bring into that movie because it's a really good Western film. And uh, as as I've gotten older, I've, I've grown fond of Westerns more than I was when I was a kid, and I, I think the third one has some really great scenes in it um, that just make it stand out and... Uh, I kind of like the period element of the being set in the old West. And I don't know. It's I, I, and again, I love all of them actually. Like I, I try to rep the trilogy for both that and the original star Wars trilogy. Uh, I hate having to choose, but if we're just talking favorite films, those are like what I usually put in my top five. So a solid, bunch, that is a solid bunch of films there. If you're going to put Jurassic yeah. Park, Jaws, um, the star Wars original trilogy, I know you're a massive fan of the prequels, <laughs> the original trilogy. Oh yeah. And, uh, the back to the future trilogy. Well, I mean, I do have bases. They're most of the classic bases. Yeah, and that's. I mean, I guess there's nothing exciting. Or uh, I guess Scott Pilgrim's like the most like unusual thing to see in someone's top five. Um, because I am putting that above all of those movies. That is my favorite movie. Period. Um, and again, I do feel like Scott Pilgrim was literally made for me. So it's hard to not make it your favorite when it feels like it's made for you. So, um. They're all they're all kind of commercial films. There's nothing really like you know, and I love a lot of indie films. Um, I think the catch is all of those movies I've gone back to time and time and time again. Yep. 
and I've had time to do that. You know, I've, I've had, I've been a fan of back to the future since like 1986 or 87 or something like that, you know? So it's, it's been seen, it's been watched so many times that it's just a favorite. It goes, it goes about saying that if you can, I've, I've done it as well. I've sat here recently and just thought I'm going to watch return of the Jedi or, or something. Don't, you don't even need to think about it. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, that sounds like a brilliant idea. Just going to do it. You sit there, you watch it, you've seen it. You've seen it 20, 30, 40, 50 times, but you still love it like, like you did the yep. first time. And I can totally see where you're coming from with those with that batch of films you've just mentioned, including Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. It's, and again, that's, that's what film's all about, is having that kind of, being able to put that as your number one ahead of these you know, the, the perceived classics. That's fantastic. I think I know the answer. But what was the last film? You caught up. <laughs> uh, literally, not long before uh, recording this with you, I watched Mute, the new uh, uh, Jones film. What, I, man, I just blanked on his Duncan person. Jones. Is it Duncan? That's it. Yeah, that's what I, man. How did you find like, Mute? Happening? Um, well, I, I at the beginning of the year, actually, I did a uh, kind of like a preview of what I was looking forward to this year. And I went looking on um, Letterboxd for everything that was uh, currently set to release and then I was names would catch me or like who the director was. And I saw Duncan Jones and I love moon. Um, I am yeah. one of the few people who liked Warcraft. You are. Uh, so I was thinking, <laughs> Hey, great. And who's in it? Oh, Paul Rudd. I love Paul Rudd. So I was really excited about it. And then uh, the news broke, I think about a month ago that it was going to be on Netflix. So I was like, okay, great. That means I'll have easy access to it. No problem. And it came out yesterday and uh, barely, I heard it on a podcast. Um, that it was coming out this weekend, and I went looking for it, and Netflix didn't have it marketed very well. Like it didn't pop up as the the new release or anything. I had to actually search for it to get it. But I went in uh, very hopeful and uh, came out very disappointed. So, <laughs> yeah, I echo that. I did watch it as well. And it was disappointing to say the least. To put it to keep it uh, short and to the point, disappointing. Yeah. So it didn't, yeah, didn't make your time. top five list. I've noticed. And it's it's it might be in my top five regrets, uh, you know, wow. because, you know, at least for this year, because it's I mean, I've already seen some bad movies this year. Uh, I won't say Winchester. which just yet, because that might come up later. But uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, that was it was so disappointing. Again, I think Paul Rudd is great, though. So if there's nothing else to take away from that movie, Paul Rudd is the takeaway. So I'm going to agree with that. There wasn't much to take away from it whatsoever. But I did enjoy Paul Rudd, so I'm just, I'm just thinking about it. If you could, how much you loved Scott Pilgrim, if you could only take one movie, someone's come into your house or whatever and said, look, we're taking away movies forever. You can take one, you can have one. Would it be Scott Pilgrim or would it be would it be something else? Or? I I wish it was something else, so it would be a more exciting answer, but no, it it is Scott Pilgrim. Um, I know that I can watch it at any time and love it. Uh, because I've watched it so many times, and every time I love it. Um, so I, I know without any hesitation that if that was the only film that I was left with, I would be okay with that in the sense that I love that movie. I, I would be still devastated that there are some that I haven't seen that I really wanted to, um, other movies that I loved and have planned to rewatch but just haven't made the effort to rewatch. But um, Scott Pilgrim, I, I know. I will watch it at least once this year. In fact, I'm already trying to figure out how to show it to a class that hasn't <laughs> seen it yet. So, because um, I'm like, oh, wait, you guys haven't seen Scott Pilgrim? Well, then I have to fix that. <laughs> um, I am, you know, I bring this movie to course, other people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, though, because there's so many great little filmmaking elements in the movie. Like, the way he uses transitions in the film are so unique. Uh, his 
uh, tooling up sequences are are awesomely shot. You know, when Scott's getting ready yeah, to yeah. go fight, um, the fight sequences are super well choreographed. I mean, it's just an awesome movie in every way. And uh, I love the little the little things in that movie, like the where you'll hear a video game sound effect in the background or the, the back, P bar yeah. that shows up. Yeah, like there's so many little nuanced things in that film, and it's also happening all at the same time. It's so rapid and moving, and it's it's like the film the film itself is alive and so it just never gets old to me and so yeah if I, if I had nothing else to watch but scott pilgrim i think i could still be happy that is such that is an awesome answer it's not just not not <laughs> not just saying what but you know really going into why i think that's awesome i just remembered aubrey plaza's in that film isn't she uh yes yeah aubrey plaza who i i'm a huge parks and rec fan oh, she was such so um, good in so... ingrid goes west as well yeah she was you saw that she was oh, that movie incredible. creeped me out <laughs> <laughs> you saw it then yeah I did, yeah. O'Shea Jackson Jr. to me was the highlight yes. of that movie, um, especially because he loved Batman, and I love Batman. That was one so, of the highlights of it. Is that everything about him is just Batman, especially the scene in the bedroom. Yes. Call me Batman, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it was. I'm sorry if I've oh, spoiled man. anything for anyone there, but <laughs> sorry. When anyone says that during no coitus, what do you expect? Um, yeah, right? You have to repeat it. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those moments that stayed with me, which is, I don't know if, I, I don't know if that's something to regret or not but um i've just mentioned it but you've reviewed a lot of movies diverse movies new movies old movies classics not so good movies what's the worst movie that you've ever reviewed well the the one catch um of my the 366 challenge that i did was i I was generally picking movies that i knew uh, that were already critically acclaimed so i managed to avoid a lot of bad movies that year um I think the worst thing I watched that first year was Rubber. Uh, are you familiar with yes. Rubber, the telekinetic tire? Yeah. yeah. That. Um, mm. But I didn't want to say that movie here because that movie's not trying to be great. You know, it it kind of knows exists, that it's yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. But so the two worst movies that I reviewed uh, came happened this year. And we're only um, 20, and we're one only two months into the year. Yeah, I know, right? And that's because, though, this year, a goal I have is to not filter out movies. If something new comes out, my goal is to try to see it and write a review about it. Where I think last year I was much pickier about what I went to the theater to see, despite having a movie pass the entire time. Um, But uh, I watched The Open House on Netflix, which is a Netflix original from this year. Yes. with Dylan Mignette, and it is an atrocity <laughs> of film. It is so bad, and I think he knows it's bad because there's a line read, and this is at the very beginning of the film, so it's not a spoiler. This is how the film starts. He goes to the convenience store with his dad, and he's in the passenger seat of the vehicle. His dad goes into the convenience store, and the kid's looking in the rearview mirror. He sees his dad coming towards the car. He, we see then a car driving on the road. We look back at the mirror. And we realize the car is going to hit his dad. And he screams, no. (laughs) Just like that. Um, I don't feel like that's an inaccurate representation of his performance. And if you've seen any movie with that kid in it, he's not a bad actor. So I don't think he wanted to do this movie, and he had to. Um, It's it's really bad. But I I don't know. um, That movie kind of has the straight-to-home video vibe to it, like where like if we were in a different world – this wouldn't have been a theatrical release anyways, even though with Netflix now not being a theatrical release does not indicate quality necessarily. Although bright 
uh, um, mute and uh, the Cloverfield Paradox, which I liked, me, kind yeah. of say otherwise. But um, but then Winchester. Winchester is the worst theatrical experience I think I've had um, in the last three years That's for sure. That's incredible to hear. It was utter crap. But over to you, please. Yeah, well, I, I did skip Geostorm, which I think might have been on this list had Lucky I went you. and saw Geostorm. Um, I didn't see uh, 1517 to Paris, which I've heard bad things about. Um, so there's some movies that I've skipped that may have been on this list. But Winchester, I, I took a chance with um, kind of knowing that it, I'm not a huge horror fan. I like I like the idea of horror movies. I'm not like a, I don't avoid them out of fear, but I tend to not latch on to them. Some of the classic great horror films have not worked for me uh like suspiria i've heard so many great things about and i was just bored um didn't hate that movie though but i didn't love it either like i was Mm -hmm. expecting to be like oh my god this movie's a revelation um but winchester i i i don't think i've fallen asleep during a movie like I don't think ever, especially unless like, I mean, if circumstances, like if I haven't slept for two days and I decide to watch a movie, that's not the movie's fault. Oh, that's on me. But I went in feeling fine and halfway through I was fighting and I almost like decided to just go with the sleep. I, <laughs> I was thinking, would it be bad if I slept? Like who would know? And um, I almost fell asleep. Like I, I literally had to fight it off. And then I think to stay awake, I just started laughing at how bad the movie was like. <laughs> like out loud like oh my god i can't believe this is in this movie uh there's so many things wrong and it's such an interesting premise that they had to start with that it's hard to believe they were able to turn it this bad um there are parts of the movie that like feel like they uh left bits out there's like moments where it feels like they they edited out major storylines and they left parts in though so like things happen late in the film with characters where i'm like why did that happen? Why did she say that thing? It sounds like she's referencing something we should have known from earlier, but there's no way to make that connection in the film they're giving us. So, like, you can tell where, like, things were cut, and uh, I just I just couldn't stand it. And I'm I'm starting to question if I like Jason Clark or not as an actor. Um, I liked him in uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, but I, everything I've seen recently, I've, I haven't been a fan of his. Like, I like Mudbound. I didn't think he was great in Mudbound. Um... And Winchester, I really didn't think he was great. Uh, it wasn't much. not that it was his fault. Not but... even Helen Mirren came out. I mean, Helen Mirren, she's a fan, she's a fantastic actress. Yes, but totally uh, agree. doesn't she? Not even not even the dame herself could could save that. I totally agree that the film was it was a mess of a film. It's just boring. Yeah. But like I say, yeah, as I've mentioned before elsewhere, my I got heavy lidded. My my missus, my partner. She fell asleep and needed to be resuscitated during it. It's just such a <laughs> bad movie. Yeah, and if, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was only like 90 minutes long. Like it wasn't it's even an like, hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it was a two and a half hour movie that bored us. We're talking in 90 minutes. You couldn't keep our attention with a horror movie, like where things should be, you know, popping out and making us react. You couldn't pull that off. No, it was. I think things were popping out all the time that you could just see them coming from a mile. Yeah, yeah. Every cliche was checked. Uh, by the directors of Winchester, like the Spirit uh, Brothers, man. shame on you. I I was pretty surprised that when I went to leave the theater that I didn't find the door barricaded by a wood block with thirteen nails in it <laughs> to keep us in, um, so that the atrocity to try and remember would that not... to remember the film. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, Callbacks. I can't um, I can't disagree with that whatsoever. This time I 
I'm on your side. That was with Winchester. I don't ever want to speak about it again. But yeah. on the flip side, um, this this I think 2018 is stacked with some fantastic mm. looking releases. Uh, what you know? Are there any you are you looking? You're particularly looking forward to? I'm sure there's probably quite a few. There are. Um, there is a new Jeremy Saulnier film coming out this year. Um, and I think I was talking to you recently off off air about my uh, my love of Saulnier. Yes. Um, he did Blue Ruin, Green Room, and Murder Party so far. So this will be his fourth film. Um, Macon Blair is uh, involved with the writing of the film. I, I don't have the name in front of me, but okay, I am. Right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I am a big fan of both of those guys. So anything they're doing, I am immediately attached to. Which is similarly, last year uh, at this time, I was super excited about Baby Driver, knowing nothing about it except Edgar Wright was directing it. Um, but so I was all in. And that's kind of where I'm at with the Saulnier film. Um, Damien Chazelle has a new film with Ryan Gosling about uh, it's a First Neil man. Armstrong biopic. First man. Um, I'm excited about that because I, I love Whiplash and La La Land. Yes. Um, in fact, I kind of owe Damien Chazelle uh, breaking a. A stereotype I guess I had I was a guy who frequently said I don't like musicals and La La Land made me realize that that's not true I don't like very specific musicals like I don't like Grease but I love Singing in the Rain and I love La La Land um and so I, he kind of opened my eyes up to the possibilities of musicals um so I'm excited to see what he does with I, I like biopics generally um when they're done so well, I'm excited course, to yeah. see exactly because there's definitely some uh like my friend Dahmer which was super disappointing um when you have a character of that your bio you're doing a biopic on a serial killer should not be a boring movie but um somehow so uh but uh I, I'm hoping as he hasn't made a movie that hasn't been great so far I mean he's only done two but they've both been fantastic good, good. so yeah and same thing with Saulnier, though. I mean, he's his movies have been obviously much smaller uh, by comparison to Chazelle's success. But uh, I loved Green Room. Green Room did so much. I think Green Room is like the most suspenseful film I've ever watched. Where like I was on the edge of my seat the entire film. Such a um, and I cared. Film as well. Such a different looking film. It's such a really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then getting Patrick Stewart to do that role, you know, being the the villain um, of a white supremacy organization you know i i was trying to like i hesitated because i wasn't sure if that was a spoiler i don't think it is no. um so but like that was such like one it tells you how great the script was that stewart was like yes i'll do this um but two like stewart was phenomenal in that role is it in that wrong movie, to say but... that he kind of fit that role quite well he fit into it seamlessly yeah i know and you who would have thought you know captain picard like this elegant man with this brilliant Professor british X accent could play this yeah um and then Anton Yelchin, who I am so devastated that he is gone, uh, just amazing. So I'm super excited about Saulnier's film, and I, I, I hate that I don't know the name of it because I feel kind of dumb saying, I, I can't wait to see this movie. I don't know what it's called. Um, but um, – and then obviously I, I am uh, – I mentioned Jurassic Park earlier, and I, I can't help uh, but be excited about Jurassic World 2. Um, I think it's going to be awful, <laughs> but I still want to see it. <laughs> like, Judging by the trailers, um, I'm not I'm not overly infused, but I'm always willing to give Jurassic Park, Jurassic World films a go. Yeah, I I love Jurassic World. I know there's sure there are tons of problems in uh in that, but I generally love uh that movie. I had a great time so with it. Like exactly I don't think it's a, it's a fun film. Yeah. 
Yes, and I'm hoping that they are able to pull that off. It does not look like that's what they're going for yeah, with this one. I can't, I can't uh, remember the guy. Uh, I think it's Boner is directing it, and he's got a he's got a slightly more of a darker eye. And apparently, they're going for a more of a solemn film, darker film. More of the apparently, it's going to have more of the horror elements of the original JP, but we'll mm-hmm. see. Which the first Jurassic Park, uh, the Raptors gave me <laughs> nightmares. So I'm I'm all in on on that idea, but it has to work, and I don't know that it will. Uh, we both have mentioned Han Solo, um, the Solo film, which I can't get the name right ever. Solo, the Star Wars story, it's just, just doesn't... Solo for me. A, a Star yeah, Wars story sounds well... like what I'd read my daughter. She's two. Yeah, um, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited, apprehensive again, just like with Jurassic World, because of the potential to ruin something I love. But I hope they don't like. And I, I, I have no reason to think that they will. The prequels did. But let's be real. That was George Lucas. Yes. Uh, Lucas does not have his hand in on this now, um, so I, I'm hoping that we will we will be fine uh, with Solo. We're certainly going to come out enjoying Lando, Donald Glover. Yes, I, I think he will be uh, at the very least. That will be the highlight of the film, and maybe make it worth um, anything that's wrong with it. Uh, you know, like I'm optimistic. So, the uh, the giant tentacle creatures at the end of the trailer made me a bit weary. Yes, that has been a new thing with the Star Wars movies too—the tentacle creatures. Because we had that in Force Awakens too. Yeah, the reptiles. Um, yeah. So I don't know why that is. And um, that strange thing that Forrest Whitaker was belching about in Rogue One. I I, I am a Wes Anderson fan, so I am super excited about um, Isle of Dogs. Yes, that's coming out next month, isn't it? Yeah. It. It. I. I had the worst luck. Uh, it's actually premiering at South by Southwest. Um, but it premieres the day after I leave. No. Uh, yeah, so I was very devastated. I was like, are you kidding me? If I was staying one more day, I would have a chance to see. I probably wouldn't be able to get in, though, because it's probably going to be nuts. But um, I was uh, very excited about that. Um, and one last one that I'll throw out there. Um, actually, two. There's two. I have to bring up. Uh, one, I am a fan of the Robert Downey, uh, sorry, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie. Uh, the guy Richie directed. Um, yep. I love the first one. The second one, Duplo. yeah, second one stretches out a little too long, I think. And there's like a whole middle section that I don't care for. But um, there's a new Sherlock Holmes movie coming out this year. That's right. uh, um, Holmes and Watson. Holmes and Watson, which where we bring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley yeah. into the fold. And I'm intrigued. I, I'm curious to see if it's any good. Um, I liked their two comedic efforts together before uh, Step Brothers and Talladega Nights. I think are great. So I'm hoping that they can re- rekindle that magic because the last couple of Will Ferrell movies have been lackluster for me. The um, house was absolutely yeah. dire. Yeah, I was so disappointed. Um, that in there. One of the few uh, punny headlines I made uh, in my writing, I, I believe I said, don't bet on the house. Um, because it I think is, I put the house, the house didn't win this time or something horrendous yeah. like that. So, so yeah. they, wrote them, they wrote themselves so funny. They totally did. They set it up for us and we just went with it. But um, So I'm hopeful for that. And the other one... Um, this director I've been up and down on, but Nicholas Winding Wren has a new movie scheduled called Maniac Cop. Don't know, but I like um, Winding Refn's work, but I haven't heard of that about this one. Yeah, I came across it on Letterboxd. I, I, I don't know much else about it. It just says a murderous cop returns from the dead to patrol the New York City streets and kill those uh, who turn to him for help. Um, so it sounds kind of crazy. Sounds mental. Yeah. yeah um, oh, you know what? Ah, I see this is not. I've been misled, sir. 
it's got his name in the big yellow letters on the poster, but in very little tiny letters it says presents. He's a producer on this. He's not the director. You've come onto this first ever episode, this this pilot episode, and you're feeding false er- information. Er- erroneous information. <laughs> so uh, it does make sense why that movie sounds so bad, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think. It's like Ref- Reverend doing a a film about a, a, a zombie cop. cop coming back. So I was like. I thought the Neon Demon was weird, but wasn't that weird? Yeah, <laughs> yeah cause I love Driver. Um, Drive with Drive. Um, and I, I, Neon Demon messed with me so much. <laughs> and I won't say why. If you haven't seen the movie, I won't say why. But I have – well, I mean the listeners too. I don't want to spoil uh, Neon Demon. But I have a thing with eyes, like eyeballs – bug me yep. and there's a scene in that movie man where i was done yep. uh, screaming yes, on the floor uh, but at the same time it, it is a very masterful film even if you don't necessarily like it it's it's gorgeous uh well acted freaking creepy as all get out um but yeah so i i do want to see what he does but i was wrong he's not doing that so never mind but take off my yep yeah, that is off my list for sure i wonder why i've never heard yeah. of it man well you know I hate when they do that little trick because Tarantino did that for a while where he was presenting movies like um, he presented uh, um, Hero, which actually is supposed to be really good. But then he did The Man with the Iron Fist. I think it's Tarantino presents, but they on the posters make it look like it's his movie because it just says his name and itty bitty letters. We turned up one day on the show. There was a there was a film last year and I'm ashamed for not remembering what it was, but it had produced by Christopher Nolan really sort of selling it, and the film was absolute yep. garbage. But I can't believe it was, but I can only imagine that Christopher Nolan probably, I don't know, walked on set one day and just sort of nodded and walked yeah. off again. And they probably gave him a producer's credit. I, I, I'm going to endeavour to find out what it was, but <laughs> it is a trick they use, yep. which is can be quite shady to sell a film. Yeah, and again... But mainly that cop just I was awful. just... Sorry if anyone out there wants yes, to watch it. Yeah, and I apologize if, if you stopped listening after I said Nicholas Winding Ren was the director and saw it because of that. <laughs> um, but yeah... Uh, I did find out, though, um, the Jeremy Saulnier film is Hold the Dark, and it is uh, written by Macon Blair and does uh, have Alexander Skarsgård listed as uh, the cast, um, who I'm not thrilled with, but Riley Keough, who has been in a bunch of stuff the last couple of years, yeah, she's yeah, in, yeah. and I'm a big fan of hers. She's on the so, up, yeah. Um, and Macon's also listed as an actor for the film, who I, again, am a huge fan of. So, um, yeah. I like Skarsgård, but after Mute, it has oh, he's tempered my excitement slightly less when I see his name in a film but Riley Keough I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of I really did enjoy Logan and Lucky and some of, um... he was in um, The Diary of a Teenage Girl and he was really good in that movie so I'll give him a pass he's a good actor yeah. he's a, he's, there's nothing he can certainly do it but I just oh, just memories of watching Mute oh, it's really soured me yep yep definitely like yeah looking at that right now is not the best timing for me I guess because I'm like oh no I just saw him in this one thing and I didn't like it so objective thinking object got to Got to get yep. over it. Uh, for just for to throw a bit of a fun, a fun, fun question out there, which uh, I look forward to hearing what you're going to say. But who's going to play you in a movie about your life? Well, my luck, um, and given my appearance, I would say Michael Chiklis is probably the first cast. <laughs> um, you know, big bald guy. Uh, but it, honestly, if they were going to follow my personality, um, it would probably be Matthew Perry. As I am kind of a spasm, um, and I think he could pull it off. <laughs> we don't look alike, nor does uh, would he – like, we don't sound alike, but I definitely think I have a lot of Chandler-esque mannerisms. 
Um, and I think he would be able to pull off some of my, my craziness. Um, so yeah, I, I think if we're going solely on appearance, Michael Chiklis is probably that, or, um, Jeff, Jeff Bridges from Iron Man. Um, I think he could play me pretty well. Uh, but then Matthew Perry, I think fits my personality probably the most. Um, and he doesn't get a lot of work between Chandler and the, uh, yeah, the thing, the, the, Fantastic. Who'd have thought that that version of the thing would be the better version of the thing, though? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, yeah. Wow, but but um, the lesser about the Fantastic Four movies probably yes. the better. That's, I mean, uh, Matthew Perry and Michael Chiklis, good start. I like that. <laughs> I, I like it. Um, I, I am a big. I actually, um, I've attempted screenwriting a couple times, and I, I wrote like a pilot episode of a show called Teach. Um, that did not go anywhere, but, uh, what inspired you to do that? Eh? Yeah. In my head, when I was writing it, Matthew Perry was the lead. Um, I am a big fan of his, despite the many failed attempts of things that he's done. Um, I love, I love Chandler and I also, I like the whole nine yards. I don't like the whole 10 yards, but I like the whole nine yards quite a bit. I'll have to refresh myself on that uh, film. Cause as soon as you said it, I thought, I can't remember if I like that film yeah, or not. Bruce Willis but, um, and him. Yes. I would ask. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's yep. funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I did enjoy that film. I did enjoy the whole nine yards. If you could write that sitcom, I'm pretty sure he'd be quite grateful for that work. <laughs> yeah, he's sorry. He's had some uh, some bad luck with with the shows. He's been on a few sitcoms since Friends, and I think they all last like one season, if that. So, um, which is unfortunate. He's just kind of he's Chandler now. He's forever Chandler. I'm sure he hasn't got a problem with it because I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure he dines out on that. But he's now Chandler. That's all. But so. Yeah, please do write that sitcom for him because it'd be good <laughs> to see more more of him. I would like to. Any advice? Someone's out here listening. Well, somebody who might be listening, or they they're a viewer again. Like you say, then maybe they're a bit worried or self conscious, or you just want tips from somebody who's very good. What advice would you give anyone out there? Um, any reviewers? Yeah, uh, this was interesting because I, I have a couple of students who have uh, started dabbling with reviews, and um, that that really made me happy because. Uh, students don't always like to write, you know, so like seeing kids like actively taking a, um, making a decision to write has been really refreshing. But, um, I'd say the first step is watch tons of movies, uh, you know, or I guess now you can review TV too, which I'm kind of, I'm a cinephile first uh, TV second, even though mm-hmm. TV is kind of taking over. Um, I like the compartmentalized stories, but I say if, if you're going to, whatever you're going to write, you need to watch a lot of um, and get familiar with the patterns that occur throughout all of them, throughout time, throughout um, genre, and just start to become comfortable with all of those things and formulating opinions based on a bigger pool. You know, like if yes. you've only seen 200 movies, your opinions are going to be much more narrow than if you've seen 2000 movies. So watch movies. And then um, like I did break out of your comfort zone. Don't just watch movies that you think you'll like watch movies period um and then i think uh reading about the production of film is important um there's some really great books like about editing about cinematography just so you at least have those tools at your disposal um to talk about you know so that you're not just saying this looked pretty um and not necessarily i don't think i've ever really written technically about like camera work or anything even though i i I might think oh well there's that one shot i don't think i've ever written this dolly shot in the film is gorgeous. Like, but um, I like knowing those things while I'm watching it because I feel like it helps me say if the camera work is competent or not. Like um, the rule, the Warren Beatty film from I think last year, the rules don't apply. 
uh, I found some real problems with some of the editing in the early stages of the film. And that was one of the few times where I really like felt like I needed to comment on a technical aspect where it was like, this took me out of the movie. It was so distracting. Um, and I, I don't think I could have done that had I not read some of these books. And then I think the most important thing, if you're looking to write, um, you got to write, you know, don't, don't censor yourself. Don't stop yourself. Don't say you're not good enough. Just do it. And you probably aren't good enough. And I don't think I'm good enough yet. Uh, you know, I have a lot of room to improve. Um, I, I found a friend who was willing to help me, uh, proofread. Um, and that's been tremendous. Um, one, because I get constant feedback and I've noticed just like, cause I keep, I make a lot of the same mistakes when I'm writing. Cause I write kind of stream of conscious as I'm writing, like I'm just typing it out as I, as the thoughts come to me. So I might like a thought might pause or I might get interrupted while I'm writing and come back to it. And I don't necessarily reread what I was previously saying, or I, or I think I knew what I was saying and I just keep going and some things may not sync up the way I thought they did. And the, having that second pair of eyes, um, on all of those has made me start seeing patterns in my writing that are mistakes. And so now I'm getting better at it because I keep doing it and I, I, I don't just keep doing it the same way. I'm looking to grow every time I write something. And I, you know, an area that I feel, um, I, I was taught to write for, uh, newspapers predominantly. I mean, I, I wrote English papers and whatnot too, but newspaper writing, we're told to write for like a fourth grade level so that, Everybody can read it because that's the goal of a newspaper is like everyone's supposed to be able to get the information. And um, because of that, I, a lot of times I am very blunt and direct and not as um, – I don't put a whole lot of thought into what I'm saying as much as just getting the information out there. And that's something I'm trying to improve. And one of the things I've noticed about your writing that I like a lot, uh, you do a really cool thing with the pictures where you put like a quote from your article on the pictures. And your quotes are always so insightful, and I always am like, dang it, I need to be more like that. Like, I want to have these, like, quotable, like, soundbite-type moments that I don't think I have in a lot of my writing. And that's something I want to take a little more time while I'm writing to, to formulate a thought like that rather than just getting through the article or the review. Oh, thank you. Very kind of you to say. Um, it's not it's not done on purpose. It's just, like you say, it's just sometimes you just write what you feel and... And I'll just scour, scour the document to think, well, I'll use this mm -hmm. kind of sums up how I feel in one yeah. sentence. But thank you for saying that. But. Well, you know, oh, well, uh, one of the things uh, I get to go to some A24 screenings. That's been the only studio who's been like easy to get in touch with. And they've been really cool about inviting me to the screenings we have in Orlando and Tampa. And at the end of a screening, though, we're supposed to give a quote to uh, the rep that's there. And it's always the most stressful thing. Um, because I'm like, I'm like, I just watched the movie and I have to come up with something that's potentially poster worthy. Like that's their, their goal is that someone's going to say something so brilliant that they can stamp it on a poster or on the box art for the movie. And I've, you know, I'll sit there in the, like while the credits are rolling, like racking my brain, like, what can you say that will be insightful? And at the same time, like summarize your opinion of a film in a single <laughs> sentence. And, uh, it's, it's always one of the hardest things to do. Um, but I think uh, in some movies it's easy. You know, some movies I know immediately what I want to say, and other movies I sit there like I don't know what I want to say about this movie at all. Um, and I think uh, as if you're starting to do this, um, you're going to encounter that a lot. If you love a movie, 
or if you hate a movie, I think it's easier to write than if you're kind of in the middle. Um, in the middle, like, yeah. Because yeah, if you're passionate one way or the other, you've got something to say probably. But when you're not feeling dramatically one direction, you know, you could go any anything with it, and who knows? So I'd say just write it, though. Even if it's not a great review, write the review, you know? Because one, you don't have to publish it, but two, um, that's that challenging. You know, it's like it's the resistance. Like when you're working out, you know, if you keep just lifting one pound, eventually it's it's pointless. You got to add some more resistance. And so, if you're only writing about movies you love, or you're only writing about movies that you hate, you're not really pushing yourself as a writer. So I think that's where those those middle ground movies really come in. They're the resistance to your uh, your word choice and your thought process. Well, I hope you're all listening to that, guys, because. That was some fantastic advice. And this guy's a teacher. He knows what he's talking about. Um, no, thank you for that. That's, um, <clears throat> that's some really potent points in there. And again, I do what you said, I've identified a lot of that. And I can imagine going back and starting again. Yeah, like you said, a lot of that is true. Um, so thank you for that. And um, yeah, man. That's, that's that for this episode, I think. We're done. Um, so for the first episode of, episode of the What I Watch Tonight show, uh, thank you so much for coming on today, John. I uh, really appreciate that. Hey, thanks, Matt, for having me. No worries. Where in the world can everybody find you? Um, you can find me on most of the social medias at Burke Reviews. That's B-E-R-K um, Reviews. Uh, so I'm on Twitter and Instagram quite a bit. Um, and I think that's how you find me on Snapchat, although I'm not a great snapper. I try <laughs> to post some things on occasion. So Everybody go and check out John's social media, BurkeReviews.com. You'll find a lot of great articles on there. Subscribe to the podcast, man. They're great. Um, and I and I Thank say you. that genuinely, um, and just you know, really get into the great work that John and his team over there do. Uh, so once again, thank you so much, John. Uh, Thanks, man. Thank you everybody for listening, and until next time, see ya. Mm-hmm.